Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It's time to play! Full-time fantasy. Full-time fantasy. That's right. It is full-time fantasy here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I'm Adam Ronis, solo for the final hour, taking you until 4 p.m. Eastern as we do each and every weekday. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Ronis, on the gram at Aaron88, and of course, fulltimefantasy.com. Same staff, same people, just a new name. So check us out, fulltimefantasy.com. Have uh, articles up on the draft recap. Dr. Otto takes a look at the NFC East draft review. He also takes a look at the NFC West. We got the waiver wire report. You can ask your questions on the message boards and the forums. And you can also check out our DFS coverage as well. Uh, fantasy Baseball, there's already one right up there. Uh, fulltimefantasy.com slash DFS for that. There's optimizers, Slack chats leading up to lineup lock. And also still coverage for the NBA and NHL, even in the playoffs. There's some DFS and, of course, PGA, NASCAR, and MMA. So plenty of ways to make money. And also... Our first draft and go best ball draft is tonight, 28 rounds, and it begins tonight, 9 p.m. Eastern. So there are still some spots where you can, uh, there are still some spots available, and there's also dynasty startups as well. So if you head on over to playffwc.com, you can see everything that's there in the lobby and decide what you want to do. And I know for some people, like, oh, it's so early, but. You know, there's a lot of people who like to get a head start or play in a lot of drafts, and this is the time to start doing it. So there's a dynasty startup drafts that are slow drafts. Once they fill, it will kick off. Uh, there's six spots remaining for the draft tonight, 9 p.m. Eastern, so you can get in there. And uh, there'll be uh, slow drafts as well. There's a draft and go slow best ball draft, which is a four-hour clock, 30 rounds. So once that is full, it will kick off so you can head on over to playffwc.com and check it out right now uh, we'll get you some of the lineups for MLB uh, coming up in the final segment in the next segment I'll be joined by Frank Stanfall of FNTSY we'll talk some basketball with him as it's been a wild playoffs and it'll continue I think to be entertaining with some big games tonight so we'll kind of go around the league and talk NBA playoffs with Frank but uh, in case you're just joining us and you missed it, we talked about it in the first hour, but the Nationals finally, finally place Anthony Rendon on the 10-day IL. This is retroactive to April 27th with a left elbow contusion. So he got hit on the left elbow with a pitch on April 20th. He tried to play on Friday, and he wasn't 100%. And they finally say, you know what, let's put him on the injury list. So he's eligible to return on May 7th which is uh, next Tuesday. So this is a real tough break for fantasy owners because a lot of times, especially when it comes to injuries, we don't have 
all the details. The best we can do as a fantasy owner is interpret the situation using logic and common sense, which unfortunately doesn't always prevail. So for the people who are asking me about Rendon, and I do have him in one or two leagues. I might have him in a Scout 44, and in that league, if I do have him, I'm pretty sure he's in my lineup. The other league where I had him, it was either him or Matt Adams. And obviously, you want to play Rendon, but in that case, I said, you know what? I'm going to play it safe. I know Matt Adams is going to play the next four days. They're going against four right-handers because this is the NFBC where – if you're not familiar, in the high-stakes leagues, you're allowed to change your lineup on Friday. So you can put a hitter in for Monday, but on Friday you have the opportunity to make a change. So in that scenario, I said, okay, we know Rendon's out tonight, so that's at least one game missed. My guess is Adams plays all four games over the next four because it's all righties, so I'll go with Adams. There are other situations where I couldn't blame you if you went Rendon, especially if you had lesser options, but... My interpretation going into yesterday was if Rendon is not in the lineup, but he doesn't get placed on the injury list, that tells me they feel like he's going to play. Because otherwise, why didn't you put him on the injured list yesterday? Where he already set out Saturday, he already set out Sunday, and now he's missing a third game? So that would lead me to believe, okay, he's not on the injured list. He's going to play Tuesday or Wednesday. So people had to make that decision yesterday, what to do with Rendon, because the Nationals played yesterday. And I cannot really fault anyone who had him in their weekly lineup. Now, unfortunately, they are going to get battered this week, because if you are in a league where you have to make the decision on Monday and that's it for the week, just sucks, because now you're getting zeros across the board for the entire week, and you probably had several zeros last week. Because he barely played. So this is a case of, I think everyone's going to say the Nationals botched this and didn't handle it well. But they probably felt like Rendon was improving and they really wanted him in the lineup. But this is one of the unfortunate breaks. And it does suck sometimes when you play in a weekly league. And if I had the option, and it was up for vote in our Gotham District League, a local league here in New York with people in the industry it was put up for vote because we were a daily league as far as lineup setting. The first, I think this is my third or fourth year in the league, 15-team auction league. And it was daily every year. And then they put up for a vote this year whether it should go daily or weekly. I voted daily and weekly won. And it turned into a weekly league. So I prefer daily. I understand when you play in 10 leagues and they're all daily, then it could be too much. Uh, I'm actually only in two daily leagues this year. Uh, everything else is weekly or at least changing the lineup on Friday. Uh, and I understand people that have jobs that take up a lot of time, kids, families. You know, you don't have as much time. I will say this, though. In a daily league, you, you can set your lineup days in advance. Now, of course, you want to make changes when guys are in or out of the lineup. And with the schedule, you know, maybe between 6 and 7, not everyone can check it. Uh, but the lineups typically come out 3, 3.30 a lot of times. I know you have to wait for the West Coast. So, yeah, it can be a hassle for people. And I've always said you have to play in a format that suits you best because the goal of this is to have fun. It's not to create stress and headaches, even though it does for me because I just hate to lose and I don't want to be at the bottom of the standing. So it's always going to cause stress because there's no way I can win every league that I'm in. But that's what I want. 
I mean, if I'm in 10 leagues and I win nine, the way I am, I'm going to stress over the one that I lost and figure out what did I do wrong. That's just the way I'm wired. So you have to play in a league that suits you best, but that was just a, a tough break for Rendon owners that have him in the lineup. I really can't blame you. There are times where I'll come out and say, look, this is your fault. You made a mistake. You had to go with the information that you had at the time, and it seemed like Rendon might be back. So it's one of those tough breaks uh, for fantasy owners. Miguel Andujar will play in a minor league rehab game today with high A Tampa. So uh, obviously coming off that shoulder injury, and uh, if everything goes well, he could be back as soon as this weekend. So some good news there. Troy Tulowitzki will begin a minor league rehab assignment today. Does anyone really think he's going to stay healthy the rest of the year? There's no way you should be counting on him. Uh, it looks like Fernando Tatis will be placed on the 10-day injured list. Not official yet, uh, but you would think that this was going to happen. Once you saw the play as he was trying to stretch and had a, a leg split there at second base, it did not look good. Uh, they're still having him undergo testing, but they're going to be cautious with him. Young player who was obviously created a nice spark for them. He's off to a really good start. So my guess is you probably will see him placed on the injured list. It's just not official yet. Maybe later on today. And in case you missed it, uh, Nick Senzel also possibly could be called up as soon as Friday. Now, if he's available in your league, go get him. I think in a lot of leagues he was drafted. So uh, the Reds come home on Friday. Senzel obviously had the ankle injury, which put him on the injured list to begin the year and uh, you know started the year in the minor leagues. He was playing center field in the spring as, you know, he's an infielder by trade, but you know, with uh I don't know why they just didn't put him at second while Scooter Jeanette is out, but instead, you know, they're going with Peraza and Iglesias up the middle. Uh they obviously have a hole in center field. Uh, the defense has been porous out there. So they're giving him an opportunity to play center field at AAA. And he's hit down there, 296, 345, 44 slash line in six games. So uh, Senzel is, if they're calling him up, he's going to play. So you can definitely add him. And also there was a change today for the Tigers pitching. Spencer Turnbull will start today. Daniel Norris will start Wednesday. Tyson Ross was slated to go today, but he was placed on the paternity list. So uh, make sure you take note of that change. Uh, looking at some of the top storylines from yesterday, you know, Zach Wheeler is a pitcher I was very high on before this year and just a disappointing outing yesterday. Now, the good thing was he had one bad inning early and he was able to survive it. And I've always said, you need to see that from pitchers. There are going to be games where you just don't have your best stuff. And the better pitchers are going to go out there and figure it out and find a way to get their team through five, six innings. Wheeler did do that yesterday. Six innings, four in runs. Velocity was down a little bit. They even sent the trainer to go visit him, but apparently he was fine. It is the Mets, though, so be careful with that. But uh, Wheeler coming off a great outing before last night with 11 Ks against Philly. His ERA is now at 505, so certainly a little bit of a disappointing uh, start for him. Uh, Jose Peraza, really good sign yesterday that he was hitting leadoff, and he's hitting leadoff against a night, and that is really key for him. Because he was off to a terrible start. He's not a guy that walks much to begin with. And he wasn't walking at all. But he was hitting ninth in the order. And you have to wonder, too. You know, you kind of start to press a little bit. You know, this was a guy that probably was hoping to hit leadoff at the beginning of the year. He had a really good second half. 
showed more pop last year. That's a good ballpark to hit in. Uh, certainly has the ability to steal a lot of bases, but you know, hitting ninth in the order, especially in the National League, it's just it's not ideal. So uh, people were asking me questions about Peraza. Now there were some leagues in the twelve-team league where maybe there were better options out there. Now I was very high on Peraza this year. Wrote an article about him uh, as part of our draft kit, but surprisingly, I only have him in like. I think three leagues, but only one redraft league. The redraft league was the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational. I know I have them in a Scout 44, and I think I also have them in a Fantrax uh, Best Ball League as well, or Draft Champions. Uh, but Peraza's just off to a brutal start. I mean, the guy doesn't walk to begin with. He's got a 1.1% walk rate. Now, it's kind of difficult to put a guy in the leadoff spot that you know only has one walk on the season. Now... He's not a big OBP guy, but you know he's a guy also that makes great contact, although it's up this year to 20.7%. So I think he's been pressing a little bit, but, man, his at-bats over the last few days have been really good. He is smoking the ball. He was 2-for-5 yesterday with an RBI and a, his third steal of the year. Uh, the day before, he had a home run, and he's hitting 333 over the last week. So this is a key stretch for him here because if he starts to produce, the offense gets going, and they start winning a little bit, Peraza probably will stick in the leadoff spot. So this is a real big deal for his fantasy owners because it'll increase his run scored. I think it'll help him get, uh, be aggressive on the base pass, too, if he's getting on. So this is the big deal for uh, Peraza. So good sign there for those that own him and have stuck with him. Now, the Braves closer, which we talked about yesterday, Jacob Webb came in yesterday and got a save. So... A lot of people are like, oh, he's the guy. Well, keep in mind, A.J. Minter, Luke Jackson were unavailable yesterday. So I don't know if we have the answer yet here. Uh, I still think for the next save opportunity, I think they go back to A.J. Minter and give him another shot. He obviously has not been good. The walk rate is very high. But I still think that they might go back to him. So something to keep in mind there. But it is a situation worth monitoring. We did see Luke Jackson picked up. In a lot of leagues on Sunday, not crazy money, anywhere between 40 and 80 bucks, depending on how desperate people were for a closer. And I am desperate in a couple leagues, but I didn't spend a ton of money. I didn't get him anywhere. Mike Soroka, who we talked about as a good DFS play yesterday, and once again, he pitched very well. Six innings, one run, eight strikeouts. His ERA is 1.62. Uh, strikeout to and walk percentages are good. And... You know, obviously, he needs to be owned in all leagues. The problem with Soroka is how many innings are you going to get out of him? And I think we're in an era now of baseball where we don't worry about it. We kind of just take what's there at the time, and that's what's going on with a lot of the Dodgers pitchers. But I think the Braves are definitely going to shuffle a lot of those young players in and out of the rotation to keep their innings down and worry about it. Uh, you know, keep the And there's going to be injuries, of course. You know, Soroka didn't pitch that much last year. You have to take that into account. He pitched about 56 innings last year. He had a shoulder injury as well. So durability is definitely a concern. Uh, He's certainly a dynamic pitcher when he's on the mound, and I think he would have went higher in drafts, but we knew going into the year he wasn't going to begin the season in the rotation. I think we all knew he would be up at some point, but the question is how many innings do you get out of him? So, you know, 29.6% strikeout rate so far. 8.5% 8.5% walk rate, just not giving up con- a lot of hard contact. So he's going to be good when he's on the mound. 
And I think if you have them, obviously you just roll with them. But if someone overwhelms you with an offer for Soroka, uh, I think you have to consider it because how many innings are you going to get out of them? I'm not saying you give them away, but it is certainly something that you uh, have to consider for sure. Uh, A.J. Pollock looks like he's headed to the injured list with an elbow infection. And I think you know this when you draft Pollock. There's definitely the injury risk. It's kind of some bad luck here. Is uh, This elbow is one that has been operating on a couple of times. And... You know, he's going to miss some time. So that certainly opens it up for Alex Verdugo. Uh, now, they, it is the Dodgers. They can rotate a lot of guys. But Verdugo, Verdugo's hit well. Dave Roberts recently talked about getting him some more action in the lineup. So he is certainly someone you could pick up if he's available in your leagues. I know in a lot of deeper competitive leagues, he is already owned. When we return, I'll be joined by Frank Stample of FNTSY. We'll talk some NBA playoffs with him. That is next here on Full-Time Fantasy on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Make it rain. At crunch time, if you would have told me that Joel Embiid and uh, and Simmons would have uh, some of the worst games that they've ever had, and yet, what, they still won the game? Um, I'd have laughed at you, but just goes to show you how important bench work is. It, it shows you how important it is to have a star that can rise to the occasion. And I thought they did a great job on Kawhi Leonard, which had to be priority number one. Weekdays, 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers. The following ad contains shocking material. Listener discretion is advised. Is someone in your family playing a dangerous game of Russian roulette? Over 43,000 people die a year from drug overdose. 120 people a day. Five people every hour. One person every 12 minutes. 88,000 people die every year from alcohol abuse. Over 240 people a day, 10 an hour, one person every six minutes. Somebody you know may be next. Learn how to help someone you love get away from the drugs, alcohol, and bad influences. With the FMLA, people can take a leave of absence from their job and still keep it. Call now and learn how we can help you. 866-484-9621 866-484-9621 That's 866-484-9621 DailyRoto.com Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. It is full-time fantasy here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Ronis here until 4 p.m. Eastern. Don't forget, check me out, fulltimefantasy.com for all your fantasy baseball coverage, DFS as well. And, of course, getting ready for the football season with draft recaps. And you can hop in a draft and go tonight, playffwc.com, 9 p.m. Eastern. Still a few spots remaining. But joining me now it is Frank Stamferl from FNTSY. We'll talk some NBA with him. Frank, what's up? Ronis, what's going on, buddy? How's everything? Pretty good, man. Everything's pretty good right now. Fun time of the year. Uh, before we get into basketball, I just, in my home league, it's a keeper league, right? And there's a lot of trading. So if I told you this team trades a lot 
and we're sitting here on April 30th. Like, how many trades do you think is, you know, a reasonable amount to make a month into this season? I would say two to three. Is that is that fair? Guy, yeah, a guy in my league, he's already made 13 trades. <laughs> 13 trades? Who 13, is that? Is, is Fred Zinke? No. I mean, this guy might be going for Fred Zinke's title. I mean, it's insane. And... It's like trading for prospects. I don't know what this guy's plan is. Now, he did lead, win the league one time. But, man, it's just I sit there every day and I get – I'm the commissioner. So I have to post the trades on the message board because what we do in this league is I hate the veto system. I might have told you this before, but what we do is – so we put the trade on the message board and it sits there for 48 hours. So teams have an opportunity to better the trade. And the goal of that is – Oh, my God, that's really – that's all you're getting for that guy? I would give him more. Okay, go ahead. Now, you would think, oh, it's a disaster. But most times, I'd say about 85% of the time, the original trade happens. Really? That is pretty interesting. Yeah. I feel like you've mentioned that before to me. So, um, yeah, it's interesting. It's inter Has it ever happened to you where, like, you've made a trade and someone else has upped it? Because I feel like yes. I would get yeah. super it's, frustrated if that It happened. does. It sucks. And what ha it usually happens in the middle of the year because since it is a keeper league – you see a lot of teams deciding like halfway through the season, all right, you know what, I don't have a shot, I'm rebuilding. And then you have all the teams gearing up, trying to go for it, who make trades. And, you know, they it's forced me into making deals. I think was it, it was two years ago where it was a tight battle and every team around me made a deal to boost their team. And I was like, damn, if I don't make a deal, I'm not winning this league. And the hang-up on the trade was – my prospect, one of my minor leaguers, was Lewis Brinson. And the guy's like, I'll do the trade, but you got to put in Brinson. I was like, nah, I can't do it. He goes, I'm not making the trade without Brinson. I was like, fine, you could have Brinson. Good thing I made that deal. Yeah, that looks pretty <laughs> good. Lewis Brinson's been garbage, right? I just got the update, actually. He just got optioned back to the minors today. so that happened. Oh, did he? Brinson? Like, yeah, a few minutes ago. He just got optioned down. And, uh, you know, I've been asking questions. Why aren't the Marlins letting their kids play? Well, uh, they're going to let him play, but it's going to happen in the minors, unfortunately. He hasn't been able to do anything at the major league level, striking out a ton. I was going to ask you, I don't want to go too far off on a tangent here, but I have this issue in my home leagues, too, where they're keeper leagues, at, and you know, right around the trade deadline every year, we always have these fire sale trades. But, Ronas, I'm telling you, these trades are monstrous. They'll get like two or three really good keepers for the next season, but they'll basically give up their entire team. I'm talking like seven to eight players in return and basically like they're seven or eight best players. So I, I've, it's, it's a fine line because it's like, how do you limit how many players you can get back in a trade? How can it, it's, it's tough. I don't know if you have an issue like that, but we have these fire sales in our keeper leagues that are just completely ridiculous. It's like two keepers for a team's eight best players. And it just doesn't, it seems like it kind of ruins the integrity of the league in my opinion. Yeah, and people have to decide. I've argued with this about Dr. Roto. He gets frustrated with it. I'm like, then just don't play in the league, man. That's part of the way keeper leagues work. It's kind of like real baseball at the deadline where the teams that are gearing up are, are going to give away you know, three, four prospects to get that one stud. Now, it's not eight. In my league, it's kind of more like you might see five and maybe one cheap keeper or two cheap keepers and minor league draft picks. So, I mean, it is one of the issues that you have to deal around. And is it a league with? Is it an auction league or a snake draft? 
So I have two home leagues. One's a snake draft where you keep the player based on their draft value. It moves up one round. You can only keep them for a max of three years straight. And then the other one, Florio's in both of these leagues, actually. The other one is a is an auction league. Uh, so you add on $5 to their, their auction price from the year before. Yeah, I guess in the auction leagues, and I've seen some teams do it, where you can say you can make a trade, but you can't go over the salary cap of this amount or – the trades have to add up, you know, if it's a lot of salary, you know, because you can see a trade where maybe they get two $30 players, a 15 and an eight. And you're like, wait a second. So there are ways to work around it. Uh, and that's one of the things that you have to do in the off season as a commissioner is kind of figure these things out. So everyone gets pissed all the time, but you have to see it from the other perspective. If you're a team that's out of it and rebuilding, your goal is to get cheap keepers for next year. You're not really worried about this year. But at the same time, I understand you don't want the balance of power to completely shift. Uh, and especially if you're one of those teams competing and you see another team do it. So it's one of those things that we all are trying to figure out. Ronis, well, you've been around long enough. You know that there's not pleasing. Uh, there's no way to please everybody. And uh, if you watch Game of Thrones from this past week, you would know uh, based on a lot of people's reactions, you can't please everybody, Ronis. No, you can't. Uh, it's never going to happen, and, and you know, hopefully you learn that in life early because if you don't, then you're in trouble. By the way, the Orioles-White Sox game has been postponed due to rain. They are going to play a doubleheader on Wednesday. But I'm joined by Frank Stample of FNTSY, and we're going to talk NBA with him. Uh, Raptors-Sixers last night. Sixers even up the series 94-89 victory. They were leading most of the game. Raptors made a furious charge. When you look at the box score... How the hell did Philadelphia win this game? I think uh, it was a combination of them actually putting forth effort on defense, uh, a combination of the Raptors missing a lot of open shots. I mean, you look at this game, the, for the Toronto Raptors to shoot 36, 37% for this game. I mean, that's just not like them. Um, and I really thought that this was a really bad loss for the Raptors because on the other side, you look at the 76ers, they didn't really play all that well either. I mean, they shot under 40%. They had 19 turnovers as a team in this game, Ronis, and they still managed to pull out a win. Now, they did dominate for most of this game. Uh, I thought that the 76ers deserved to win, but uh, for the Raptors, I thought it was a really bad loss on their part just because uh, it's not like the 76ers dominated in terms of you know making a lot of shots. They shot under 40%. They had a ton of, uh, a ton of turnovers here as well, uh, but... You know, Marcus Gasol just didn't really show up. One for six shooting. Uh, Pascal Siakam took 25 shots. Took him 25 shots to score 21 points. He only goes nine for 25. So not the best games there. And then, you know, Kawhi Leonard did everything he possibly could. He, you know, 35 points, seven rebounds, six assists. I mean, there's nothing else for him to do. Uh, but it was it was the Jimmy Butler show in this one, man. Jimmy Buckets, 30 points, 10 rebounds, five assists. And I saw after the game, Brett Brown was really excited for the fact that Jimmy Butler was aggressive shooting threes. He attempted 10 three-pointers in this game. He went four for 10. That's not something you normally see from Jimmy Butler. But if he's going to put out, uh, if he's going to put out performances like this, the 76ers are going to be a tough team to beat. Yeah, Joel Embiid had mud butt and played like it. Just 12 <laughs> points, six rebounds in this game. Ben Simmons, six points in 44 minutes. Tobias Harris at nine. It's just like, really? The Sixers won a playoff game on the road with, with that? much of a lack of contribution from their starters because this is a team that's not very deep. They don't go and play the bench that much. Yeah, it was a sloppy game just all around. You know, I spoke a little bit about the field goal percentages, and you hit the nail on the head. I mean, for Joel Embiid only to score 12 points, and they still win a game. Tobias Harris, 3-for-11 shooting. Uh, we might have to pull uh, some some of those missing posters back up for Ben Simmons. Six points? 
You serious? You play 44 minutes? You only attempt six shots? Three for six? I mean, look, seriously, if, if the 76ers want to compete long-term and, and compete for a championship, Ben Simmons is going to have to be more aggressive than this. And I, I've actually spoke about it a little bit in the past. There aren't guards that can guard him. Like, uh, for the opposing team, if they have a point guard, a shooting guard, whatever it is, they're not going to be able to guard him. I just don't know why he doesn't post up more, go through the, go through the low post, uh, drive more to the basket, because the 76ers have a lot of different options here in terms of scoring. The Toronto Raptors can't guard all of them, so there's going to be a mismatch. There's going to be someone who's going to be able to take advantage, and last night it was Jimmy Butler. Who do you see winning this series? I'm still going to take Toronto, I think it goes pretty deep. I could see it going six or seven games. Uh, I'll take Toronto in seven just because I know it didn't happen last night, uh, but they do have more depth overall. I know Fred Van Vliet didn't really show up last night. He didn't. He scored zero points. Serge Ibaka was not great. But I'll still take the Toronto Raptors bench depth uh, and, and the players that they offer there over what Philadelphia does. And just overall, I expect the Toronto Raptors to play better defense throughout this series and just be a little bit more consistent. So I think it's a close series. The Philadelphia 76ers are really talented, but still have some question marks in terms of uh, the fit overall with you know this much talent together. They haven't had a full season together. They're still really young. I have question marks about Brett Brown overall as a coach too. So I'll give a slight edge to the Toronto Raptors in seven. Joined by Frank Stample from FNTSY. Also last night, game one. Denver beats Portland 121 to 113. Nikola Jokic putting on a show once again. 37 points, nine rebounds, six assists, three steals. Another good game from Jamal Murray, who's had some big moments here in the playoffs. I think a lot of people were on Portland in this series because of how well they played against Oklahoma City. Enos Cantor is definitely not healthy. I mean, you could see it after he was hanging on the rib on that dunk. He was in pain, pointing to his head to. You know, play smart, but yeah, give him credit. He went out there and gutted it out, 26.7 rebounds. Lillard had a big game, but does Portland have enough here? We know Denver has good depth. That was a little concern about Denver, the way they finished the regular season. But I think winning that series against the Spurs was huge for their confidence. And I know last night was one game, but is Portland going to have enough here to outlast Denver? Simply put, I don't think that they do. Uh, I mean, even with Ennis Cantor being banged up last night, he still had a huge game. He had 26 points and seven rebounds. You're telling me you get 26 points from Cantor, you get 39 points from Damian Lillard, and you still come up short against the Denver Nuggets? Now, I know it took a huge effort from Jokic, but he's been capable of this. If you've been watching him, I mean, that first-round series against the Spurs, he was just absolutely dominant. Seems like he's playing with a chip on his shoulder right now. He's really willing the Denver Nuggets, and this is a huge maturation series right now for Jamal Murray like this is where all right you got to kind of step into your own we saw some of that last night uh 23 points he scored three threes the broadcast made a really good point I don't remember what their record was exactly but it was when Jamal Murray hits three or more three pointers in a game they have this phenomenal record this season so he's obviously a huge geeky for them and then just a few of the other things that you mentioned it's the depth that they have uh Plumlee being able to come in off the bench and while he only scored six points he does a little bit of everything six rebounds five steals gives you a block too Monty Morris Malik B Will Barton. The bench for the Denver Nuggets is just far superior to the Portland Trailblazers. It was a nice move for them to pick up Rodney Hood uh, at midseason, but overall they just don't have enough 
enough talent coming off that bench. Evan Turner has been a disastrous signing for this team. Uh, Seth Curry is inconsistent. Some of these big men that they've drafted the past couple of years with Zach Collins and Myers Leonard have never really come to fruition. So, you know, we were all just praising the Portland Trailblazers when, uh, when they dominated the Oklahoma City Thunder. I think that just speaks to how badly the Oklahoma City Thunder played in that first series. I agree. I mean, they just couldn't shoot the ball, especially Westbrook. Uh, and it's not to take away from anything Portland did. I just think the Thunder really played poorly in that series. And, you know, the thing about it, too, with Denver is they really haven't had a healthy Gary Harris and Will Barton for most of the year. Those guys underperformed for, uh, for fantasy, especially. Yeah, they definitely did. And, and, you know, Gary Harris specifically was a guy that I was in on. And I know that you've been in on him in years past because he's a guy that can, you know, give you three-pointers. He shoots efficiently. He gives you steals as well. Uh, and if you've watched, it seems like he's getting healthier as these playoffs are going on. It, it's taken all season for him. It's been a really long year for him. But, you know, he's playing well into the mid-30s minutes now. And he's playing really, really strong defense. You know, watching that game last night, you know, limiting uh, C.J. McCollum to only 16 points. I thought that was a great job by Gary Harris. Um, it'll be interesting to see what the Denver Nuggets do in terms of trying to slow down Lillard. Because, again, you know, he scored 39 points on 21 field goal attempts, 11 of 13 from the free throw line. So they have to find ways to slow him down. I know they had Torrey Craig guarding him early on in that game, but uh, great job overall by Gary Harris. Uh, seems like he's building up his health, playing really good defense, and I couldn't agree more about the, the Denver Nuggets uh, building up their confidence from that first series because this is a young team. To be able to beat Popovich and the Spurs, that means a lot for them. So I think that helped build momentum coming into this series. The Bucks got smacked in the face in game one. They weren't tested in the first round against Detroit. Do they respond and win tonight against Boston? I do think so because uh, this is pretty much a do-or-die game for Milwaukee. If you go back to Boston down 2-0, I mean, they, we might be breaking out the brooms, which is crazy to say because the Milwaukee Bucks were the best season all yeah, – they, they were the best team all year in the NBA. I mean, they finished with the best record, and, and they were just dominant. I mean, it seemed like night in and night out they were just smacking teams around – uh, during the regular season, but this is not the regular season. And remember, coming into the season, a lot of people were talking about the Boston Celtics competing for the top seed in the Eastern Conference. Now, they under-delivered for most of the season, and they've had inconsistency. They've had uh, injuries to deal with and, you know, the whole Kyrie Irving situation, whether or not he's going to leave, be traded, whatever, trying to trade for Anthony Davis. They had a lot going on this year. But overall, let's not forget, they still have one of the most talented rosters top to bottom, they actually have pretty good depth. Uh, Gordon Hayward coming off the bench. Seems like he's coming around a little bit here. They still have Terry Rozier. Uh, and they have one of the best coaches in the NBA in Brad Stevens. So I do think the Milwaukee Bucks bounce back tonight and win. Because if they don't, they legitimately might get swept in this series. And I'll just throw this out there uh, for the betters that might be listening. You know, if you think that the Milwaukee Bucks can still come back and win this series, you can get them at a little bit of a value uh, if you bet on them to win the series. Obviously now down a one here against the Boston Celtics. Do you know what the odds are offhand? Uh, I don't know right now. I could pull it up. I know Boston going into the series was plus 235 to win, and I almost put some money down, but I didn't. Yeah, so I thought they had a shot to win. They definitely have a shot, they, and they still do have a shot. So I'm looking at it now. Over on the FanDuel Sportsbook, you get the Milwaukee Bucks at minus 130 being down 0-1 to win this series. Okay, yeah, and they were definitely probably over two or 300 to open. Uh, the other game tonight, Rockets, Golden State, obviously big deal going on with the officials and all that. Golden State's favored by five and a half. Do they win tonight, or do the Rockets even it at one? Oh, man, this is – I'll tell Tough you what. Tough call, I know. I wouldn't, I wouldn't 
bet in terms of the spread. Like the only way I would touch this game is is like a Warriors money line. I could see this being one of those series, Ronus, where the home teams win each of the games and it goes deep. It goes like six or seven games. So, man, this is a tough call. I'd probably still lean with the Warriors to win tonight, but I would not take the spread. I mean, five and a half points, it's a little bit too rich for me. I could see this being, you know, a two, three-point game. I think all these games are going to be pretty close between the Warriors and the Rockets, and they have all this drama going on with the referees. I know Scott Foster has this game tonight. So, yeah, there's a lot going on in this series, but I do think it's one where uh, we could see the, the, the teams kind of trade wins back and forth depending on which, uh, which team is home. Yeah, and I thought game one was there for the Rockets to take. Curry didn't have a big game. Clay didn't have a big game. And, you know, the Rockets just couldn't finish it off, unraveled a little bit with the technicals. So hopefully we get a good night of basketball with uh, two competitive close games. But, Frank, thanks for the time, and uh, we'll talk to you sometime soon. Appreciate it, Ronas. Thanks for having me. No problem. Again, Frank Stample from FNTSY. When we come back, we'll go over some of the top news stories in baseball and get you some lineups for the night games. That is ahead right here. Full-time fantasy on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. The Fantasy Sports Network is hitting you from all angles with the best fantasy sports and betting analysis. You can catch the latest programming on so many platforms, there's no way you'll miss out on any of the award-winning programming we pump out every single day. You can listen through the FNTSY radio app, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher. Download our podcast through iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Audioboom, and you can watch select programming on the FNTSY YouTube channel. The Fantasy Sports Network, your only source for fantasy sports and wagering anytime and anywhere. Lose weight now. Go to Fat100.com. Lose that unwanted belly fat today and get free information at Fat100.com. Fit in the dress or pants or bathing suits you've always wanted to. Go to Fat100.com. Lose 10, 20, or more pounds immediately. Go to Fat100.com. For free information on how you can lose weight, go to Fat100.com. Fat100.com. That's Fat100.com. Are you single? Everyone single is looking for the best date possible. Well, I found one website that can find you the best date, and it's called TheBestDate100.com. Just go there and log in for your free trial and see if you can find your new and maybe last best date. Remember, you can find the best date of your life at TheBestDate100.com. That's TheBestDate100.com. One more time, TheBestDate100.com. Game time decisions. Okay, I'm, I'm usually sort of, uh, I'm kind of on top of pop culture and stuff, but yep. Game of Thrones is something I missed out on, and I'm not taking a pot shot at it. I'm not like, ooh, people watch Game of Thrones. Hey, yeah, people I'm like not, it, they like what they like. I was so out of the loop. I was on Twitter, and I saw trending GOT, and I actually thought I was like, oh, yeah, damn, Go Train's out of service again. <laughs> GOT, 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 Game of Thrones. Weekdays, 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific, only on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It is full-time fantasy here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Ronis here until 4 p.m. Eastern. Don't forget, check us out. New branding, fulltimefantasy.com. Same staff, myself, Dr. Roto, Sean Childs. We're here to continue to help you. You can check out some NFC East and NFC West draft reviews from Dr. Roto. 
I have our fantasy baseball coverage as well. You can ask your questions on the message boards and forums anytime you want. Uh, and, of course, you can also get uh, full-time fantasy.com slash DFS, baseball, NBA, NHL, MMA, PGA. And, of course, if you're ready to hop into a draft, we got a draft and go tonight, 28 rounds, best ball formats. All you do is draft. That's it. Takes your high scores each week. You don't have to set a lineup, very little maintenance. So if you're itching to draft after you know where the rookies are now and what teams, you can head on over to playffwc.com, head in there tonight. We also have Dynasty League startup drafts, so check it out now. Catch gambling addicts Red Heat and Rage, Gabe Morency and Cam Stewart on Game Time Decisions, 4 p.m. Eastern weekdays right here on the FNTSY Sports Radio Network as they bitch and moan about their previous night's bad beats and let you know where their money is on for all the upcoming games, and they bet on all of them. You can also watch the broadcast on YouTube and participate in the chat room or watch it on Periscope, Twitch.tv, or countless other popular OTT platforms. Become part of the show. Tune in for the entertainment, the knowledge, and for the extra money they'll put in your pockets at Game Time Decisions weekdays at 4 p.m. Eastern. I've been putting uh, money on the NBA, too. Uh, last week was 8-3. and three. Last night, though, lost with the Raptors. Uh, going with Golden State tonight, minus 5.5, and, and the Bucks minus 7.5. Those are my picks for tonight. Also, we got, it is official now, the Padres are placing Fernando Tatis on the 10-day injured list, retroactive to April 29th. With that left hamstring strange, Phil Matone gets the call up. He's a pitcher, so uh, looks like Greg Garcia might get more of the playing time. I was hoping they move Machado to short, play France at third. Did pick up France and Tout Wars, and the league rule in that league is that you have to play a player you add. And I've just been so desperate at third base. I uh, had drafted Jake Lamb and Miguel Sado, and they're both out. I had J.D. Davis, so he has obviously lost playing time with Todd Frazier, so I've been searching for a third baseman, and I thought France might get some playing time. doesn't look like it. Uh, Luis, Luis Brinson sent to AAA by the Marlins. Uh, he was obviously having another rough start. Had a glimpse of hope in the spring where he was hitting well, but right back to the garbage that he's produced over the last couple of years. He has a slash line of 197, 247, 263. So he'll go back to the minor leagues. Garrett Cooper is activated off the injured list, and uh, he will be back with the Marlins. So we'll see how much playing time he gets for them. And Robinson Cano still out of the lineup with that hand injury. The game between the Orioles and the White Sox postponed due to rain. They will play a doubleheader tomorrow. Let's take a look at the lineups that we have for tonight. As you get set to put in your seasonal league lineups as well as your DFS lineups. And we kick it off with the Cardinals in Washington. Adam Wainwright against Anibal Sanchez for the Cardinals. Matt Carpenter leading it off at third base. Paul Goldschmidt's at first base batting second. Paul DeYoung at shortstop hitting third. Marcelo Zuna in left field hitting cleanup. Jose Martinez in the lineup again in right field. So he has hit when given the opportunity. They had some of those injuries in the outfield. And Martinez continues to play a prominent role in this lineup. Yadier Molina is the catcher hitting six. Colt Wong back in the lineup after a night off yesterday as second base in seventh. Harrison Bader. He was recently activated off the injury list. He had a home run yesterday. He's in center field hitting eighth. And Adam Wainwright on the mound hitting ninth. Dexter Fowler out of the lineup again. Second straight day. And, you know, we thought early in the year that Fowler might lose some playing time. Even though 
They are paying him a lot of money with that contract. And Fowler is actually starting to play well lately. So it is a little bit of a surprise, but they probably want to get Bader in there, especially for his defense. He made a great play yesterday. And it's tough to take Martinez out, even though he's not a great defensive player. This guy can hit. So uh, definitely looking like Fowler is uh, starting to lose some playing time. So we'll see what happens over the next couple days. For the Nationals, Adam Eaton leading it off playing right field. Victor Robles in center field hitting second. So he moved up in the order last week, and he is stuck there. Juan Soto in left field hitting third. Matt Adams at first base hitting cleanup. And mentioned yesterday with Ryan Zimmerman going on the injured list, Adams is going to get a big boost in playing time. And they face seven right-handed pitchers this week. So good week for Matt Adams. As we mentioned earlier, in case you're just joining us, Anthony Rendon officially placed on the injured list. Retroactive to April 27th as he was out of the lineup once again. Uh, was hit on the elbow with a pitch on April 20th and has played one game since then. So Nationals cause a headache for fantasy owners by not doing this yesterday before lineup lock. They do it today instead. Kurt Suzuki is the catcher hitting fifth. Carter Keboom at shortstop hitting sixth. Brian Dozier at second base hitting seventh. Wilmer Defoe at third base hitting eighth. And Anibal Sanchez on the mound hitting ninth. The Tigers in Philadelphia, Spencer Turnbull against Vince Velasquez for the Tigers. Heimer Candelario leading off at third base. Nicholas Castellanos in right field batting second. Miguel Cabrera is at first base hitting third. Nico Goodrum in left field hitting cleanup. Rodriguez at second base hitting fifth. Griner is the catcher hitting sixth. Jordy Mercer at shortstop hitting seventh. Jacoby Jones in center field hitting eighth. And Spencer Turnbull on the mound hitting ninth. For the Phillies, Andrew McCutcheon leading off in center field. Gene Segura is at shortstop batting second. Bryce Harper in right field hitting third. Reese Hoskins at first base hitting cleanup. JT Realmuto is the catcher hitting fifth. Nick Williams in left field batting sixth. Cesar Hernandez at second base hitting seventh. Mikel Frankel's at third base hitting eighth. And Vince Velasquez on the mound hitting ninth for the Phillies as they are currently first place in the National League East. The Indians in Miami to take on the Marlins. Trevor Bauer against Sandy Alcantara for the Marlins. Curtis Granderson leading off in the left. Martin Prados at third base, hitting second. Brian Anderson in right field, hitting third. Starlin Castro's at second base, hitting cleanup. Jorge Alfaro is the catcher, hitting fifth. Garrett Cooper just activated off the injured list. He gets a start at first base. He's batting six. Miguel Rojas is the shortstop, hitting seventh. Isaac Galloway in center field hitting eighth, and Alcatara on the mound batting ninth. The A's are in Boston to take on the Red Sox. Aaron Brooks against Rick Porcello. For the A's, Marcus Simeon leading off at shortstop. Robbie Grossman in left field batting second. Matt Chapman, third base, hitting third. Chris Davis to DH hitting cleanup. Steven Piscotti in right field hitting fifth. Kendrys Morales at first base hitting sixth. Chad Pinder at second base hitting seventh. Ramon Laureano in center field hitting eighth. And Nick Hundley is the catcher hitting ninth. No jerks in Profar, who has had a real difficult time throwing to first base. So a little bit of the yips right now. So we'll see what they do with him. He did have a two-run double yesterday for the A's. The Reds in New York to take on the Mets. Luis Castillo against Jason Vargas. For the Reds, Jose Peraza leading off playing second base. Joey Vados at first base hitting second. Eugenio Suarez at third base hitting third. Yasiel Puig in right field hitting cleanup. Kirk Casale, the catcher, hitting fifth. Philip Irvin in center field hitting sixth. Jesse Winker in left field batting seventh. Jose Iglesias for shortstop hitting eighth. And Luis Castillo on the mound hitting ninth. For the Mets, Jeff McNeil leading off at second base. Pete Alonso at first base hitting second. Brandon Nimmo in left field hitting third. Michael Conforto in right field hitting cleanup. Todd Frazier at third base hitting fifth. 
Wilson Ramos, the catcher, hitting sixth. Ahmed Rosario at shortstop, batting seventh. Juan Lagares in center field, hitting eighth. And Jason Vargas on the mound, hitting ninth. The Padres in Atlanta. Chris Paddock taking on Julio Tehran. For the Braves, Ozzy Albies leading off at second base. Josh Donaldson at third base, hitting second. Freddie Freeman at first base, hitting third. Ronald Acuna is in center field, hitting cleanup. Nick Marcakis in left field, batting fifth. Dansby Swanson at shortstop, hitting sixth. Brian McCann is the catcher, hitting seventh. Matt Joyce in left field, hitting eighth. And on the mound, batting ninth, Julio Toronto. Ender Inciarte out of the lineup as uh, he left the game the other day with a little bit of a hamstring issue. Certainly concerning for a guy that uh, relies on some speed and fantasy. So he left yesterday's game with right hamstring tightness. Uh, and we don't know how much time he's going to miss. But with a hammy, always have to be cautious and uh, could land on the injury list. The Astros in Minnesota, Garrett Cole against Michael Pineda for the Twins. Max Kepler leading off in right field. Jorge Polanco is at shortstop hitting second. Nelson Cruz, the DH hitting third. Eddie Rosario on left field hitting cleanup. C.J. Crones at first base hitting fifth. Jonathan Scope at second base hitting sixth. Adrianza at third base hitting seventh. Jason Castro, the catcher, hitting eighth. And Byron Buxton in center field hitting ninth. The Rockies in Milwaukee. Amar Marquez against Drew Chassin. For the Rockies, Charlie Blackman getting the day off. So David Dahl leading off playing right field. Trevor Story's at shortstop hitting second. Daniel Murphy's at first base hitting third. Nolan Arenado's at third base hitting cleanup. Ryan McMahon's at second base hitting fifth. Ian Desmond in center field hitting sixth. Ramel Tapia gets a start in left field hitting seventh. Tony Walters is the catcher hitting eighth. And Herman Marquez on the mound batting ninth. Remember the Orioles-White Sox game was postponed, so Andrew Kasher and Ivan Over will both pitch tomorrow as they uh, will may, uh, play in a doubleheader. The Rays are in Kansas City. Blake Snell against Jacob Junis. Snell came off the injured list five days ago and was not good in his first start back after dominating for the early portion of the season. Brandon Lau leading off playing second base for the Rays. Tommy Pham's in left field hitting second. G-Man Choi is the DH hitting third. Yandy Diaz is at third base hitting cleanup. Nate Lowe at first base hitting fifth. He made his major league debut last night. Mike Zunino is the catcher hitting sixth. Kevin Kiermaier is in center field hitting seventh. Heredia is in right field hitting eighth. And Willie Adamas is at shortstop hitting ninth. For the Royals, Whit Merrifield leading off at second base. Alberto Mondesi is at shortstop hitting second. Alex Gordon in left field hitting third. Hunter Dozier at first base hitting cleanup. Jorge Soler, who hit his seventh home run last night. He is the DH hitting fifth. Gutierrez at third base hitting sixth. Chris Owings in right field hitting seventh. Martin Maldonado is the catcher hitting eighth. And Billy Hamilton returns to the lineup after missing a couple games with a hamstring strain. He is batting ninth. The Yankees are in Arizona. CC Sabathia against Zach Grinke for the Diamondbacks. Adam Jones leads it off in right field. Cattell Marte is in center field, batting second. Eduardo Escobar is the third baseman, hitting third. David Peralta in left field, hitting cleanup. Christian Walker is at first base, hitting fifth. Wilmer Flores at second base, hitting sixth. Nick Ahmed is the shortstop, hitting eighth. J.R. Murphy is the catcher, batting eighth. And Zach Grinke is on the mound, batting ninth for Arizona as the Yankees continue to play well despite all their injuries. The Indians lineup is out. For Cleveland, Francisco Lindor leads it off playing shortstop. Leonis Martins in center field batting second. Jose Ramirez is the third baseman hitting third. Carlos Santana is at first base hitting cleanup. Carlos Gonzalez in right field hitting fifth. Jason Kipnis at second base hitting sixth. 
Jake Bowers in left field batting seventh. Roberto Perez is the catcher hitting eighth. And Trevor Bauer gets the bat in the National League Park as he is hitting ninth for the Indians tonight. The lineup for the Padres, Greg Garcia leading off at second base. Framil Reyes is in right field hitting second. Manny Machado is at shortstop today, batting third. Eric Hosmer at first base hitting cleanup. Ty France does get the opportunity to play. He's at third base today, hitting fifth. Will Myers in left field hitting sixth. Francisco Mejia is the catcher hitting seventh. Manuel Margot in center field hitting eighth. And Chris Paddock on the mound hitting ninth. So no Hunter Renfro today. Uh, I also thought, I think they did this in one game. They put Will Myers at third base, but maybe they don't want to do that. So a lot of ways that the Padres can go here. Uh, we have heard that Ian Kinsler possibly could be on the way out or lose a lot of playing time. And we do see that today with Garcia at second base. So we'll see if uh, Ty France can hit a little bit. They give him a prominent lineup spot. He's hitting fifth today for uh, the Padres. So a lot of moving parts there for them as they try and kind of figure out what to do with some of the injuries there. Uh, Hunter Refrell's showing power. He hasn't hit for great average when he's been in there, but I think the problem is they would like Renfro to be in there more. It's just they kind of have limited options in center field. You know, they're often using Margot there, and uh, I think they would like to get Renfro's bat in more, but Framil Reyes has shown really good underlying numbers. He's shown good power as well when he's been in there, and of course, Will Myers is going to play every day, so it's a tough spot there for Hunter Renfro owners. It's kind of difficult to use him in uh, a weekly league because uh, you don't know how many at-bats he's going to get. Texas is hosting Pittsburgh. Adrian Sampson against Jordan Lyles. For the Rangers, Shin Su Chu leading it off in left field. Rugnet Odor at second base hitting second. Elvis Andrews, the shortstop, hitting third. Nomar Mazara in right field hitting cleanup. Hunter Pence, who has performed well when given the opportunity, but he hasn't had many at-bats. He's the DH tonight hitting fifth. Joey Gallo in center field hitting six. Estrubal Cabrera back in the lineup after missing a few days with a calf injury. He's at third base batting second, uh, seventh. Logan Forsythe at first base hitting eighth. And uh, Kiner Falefa is the catcher hitting ninth for the Texas Rangers tonight. The Dodgers are in San Francisco. Walker Bueller against Drew Pomerantz. The Blue Jays are in L.A. Clay Buchholz against Griffin Canning, who's making his major league debut wasn't good in the minor leagues last year. Was off to a good start this year. So he'll make his debut tonight. The Cubs are in Seattle. Cole Hamels against Felix Hernandez, who's actually pitched pretty well so far this year. An ERA in the four, pretty good whip. So we'll see if he can continue that against the Cubs, who have been struggling offensively this year. Uh, so there, uh, those are the lineups we have. Of course, a few more will be coming out in just a little bit. Uh, but also yesterday... One thing that stood out, too, was uh, Eduardo Rodriguez. You know, I really expected this guy to be better this year. It looked like he was starting to turn it around, but he just can't find consistency for the Red Sox. Uh, he couldn't even get through the fifth inning. Had a 6-4 lead when he was in the game, but he wound up going four and two-thirds with four earned runs allowed. And he's got a 6.16 ERA on the season. And the Red Sox collectively as a, as a whole have struggled, and it's been pretty much the entire pitching staff. Uh, the only guy who's re been really pr good so far is David Price. But I expected Rodriguez to take that next step up this year. The biggest problem for him in the past has been staying healthy with that knee issue. And, uh, you know, right now it has been some poor luck. I do think he'll get better. I would stay patient with him. You know, his strikeout rate is 25.2%, slightly below last year. 
the walk rate is 8.6%. And that's where he gets into trouble. And that's kind of what happened yesterday is there are times where he just can't find the strike zone and he walks guys. Uh, 356 batting average of balls of play certainly is some poor luck. He's got a career mark of 296. And the strand rate is extremely low right now at 59%. You know, he should be right around the 73% mark. That's the league average. He's never been a guy that allows a, a lot of hard contact. And even this year, 30% hard hit rate is pretty good. Uh, he's not allowing a ton of fly balls. So, to me, it is just a little bit of luck right now. Now, the velocity is down slightly, not much. You know, like basically a half a mile per hour on the fastball. He talked about working on a new pitch that actually Dustin Pedroia uh, taught him. Uh, but the swinging strike rate is there, 13.5%. He's throwing more first pitch strikes. So, I think it will get better for him. I know a lot of people are very frustrated with him right now just because, you know, we haven't seen that consistency. But I think he will get going. And, uh, you know, he's faced a couple of tough lineups at times, faced Oakland twice already, and uh, not an easy lineup, especially with those right-handed bats. That wraps it up here. Again, you can check me out, fulltimefantasy.com, for all your football and baseball coverage, DFS as well. We'll be back Wednesday afternoon, 2 p.m. Eastern, here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. 